Well, good morning, church, every campus, everywhere. It's so good to be in God's house this morning. Come on, even if you gathered at home, your living room, your bedroom, wherever you are, is the house of the Lord today. We are gathered as one. We are one family, connected as one. And I want to welcome you this morning to church. If we have not yet met, my name is Jean-Michel, and I am one of the pastors here at Victory And I'm excited to share the word with you today. We're continuing to talk about the kingdom of God, right? We've been doing this for a couple of weeks. We started with Pastor Michelle and through Pastor Lindsay. And now we're into week two of a three-parter about the kingdom. You see, Jesus came to earth to save the world. But everyone expected him to be some kind of political leader tearing down the man-made chaos kingdoms of this world and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. We spoke about this last week. We spoke about how he came not to establish or reestablish the kingdom of Israel, but to establish the kingdom of heaven in our hearts and in this world, the upside-down kingdom of heaven. And just imagine that. That in this world, all the kingdoms are with the king at the top, ruling and lording over people. But in God's kingdom, the upside-down kingdom, God, the king God, comes to be a servant king to serve the world. And then he calls us to serve the world around us, to serve our families, our churches, our businesses, to serve the people around us, to show that kingdom of God. And today we're going to jump into part two And I have one question, right? So everybody is paying attention. You got the question is coming your way. Where is the kingdom of God? Where is it? And just think about that for a second. Where's the kingdom of God? Where's the kingdom of God? It's a a spiritual thing. It's a a spiritual thing, right? So it's somewhere. Okay, so so for some of us, it's like a place in like the clouds, where there's lots of glory and light and gold and or maybe it's a place in another dimension one that we can't actually perceive maybe it's invisible this kind of ethereal spiritual idea the kingdom of god i want to say to you today that the kingdom of god is inside you that's where the kingdom of god is and today we're talking about how the kingdom of god is inside out We've spoken about how the kingdom is upside down. Today we're talking about how the kingdom is inside out. Let's pray. Father God, today we ask that your spirit would come and move inside of us. That Lord Jesus, we would encounter you face to face. That you would teach us your ways, your word. That you would teach us how to be those servants that display the kingdom of God. I pray you open our hearts, you open our minds, and you speak your word into us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so church, check this out. Our perceptions are dominated by our senses. What we see, what we feel, what we experience in the world dictates our perception or how we see the world around us. And when we look out into the world that we see, we find ourselves looking at a broken world, a world full of disaster, full of injustice, full of sin, full of brokenness, full of all kinds of difficulties and challenges. We find a world that we wish 
would change. You see, we spoke last week about how humanity gave over their dominion to the enemy, and the enemy set up this false kingdom rooted in chaos with the kings at the top ruling and lording and dominating over those underneath them to enrich themselves. And this cycle just perpetuates all over the place. And, and, and we see ourselves looking out into the world today, looking at the injustice that we find, looking at the hurt and, and the pain that people go through, the pain that people inflict on each other, and we wish to see that it would change. You see, the kingdom of this world is rooted in self-ambition, self-desire, selfishness. It's rooted in what I can get, in what I can have, even at the expense of you, even at the expense of others. I'm taking care of me. And if you have a heart at all, you would wish to see that this world would change. We look out and what we perceive, we want it to change. The people of Jesus' time felt the exact same way. They wanted equality. They wanted freedom. They were looking for the circumstances outside of them to change. And that's what we're looking for too. We're looking for circumstances to change. We're looking for circumstances in our country, in our community, in our family, in our personal lives. We're looking for them to change. We see what's happening around us. We see what's going on in our own lives. And we, we want change to come, right? That's what we want. And it's not just in our societies or our communities, but it's also within us. How many of us struggle with addictions? How many of us struggle with sin or, or depression or fear? We struggle with these things and we wish, we want this to change. And so our perceptions are, 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 are motivated and, and our perception of the world, our perception of ourselves is dictated by the way we feel, by what we see, by the things that we go through, the struggles, the things that we wish would change. We want financial freedom or maybe we want relational freedom. We're longing for God to change our circumstances. But as we learned last week, God's kingdom does not work the way that this world's kingdom does. It doesn't work the way we think it works. In this world, what you, what you earn is what you get. And if you can schnei someone along the way, maybe you can even enrich yourself more than someone else. Maybe you can get what you don't deserve. But you will never freely be given purpose and destiny and, and abundance and life in this world for nothing. It will never, ever happen. But God's kingdom works differently. It's not the same as this world. It's an upside-down kingdom. And it's also an inside-out kingdom. Check this out. If we want change to take place outside, if we want our circumstances and we want the things that we see to change... It needs to change inside us first. God's kingdom doesn't change outside in. It changes inside out. And we get so wrapped up in the outer appearance, but we know that God cares so much more about the heart. He's more interested in your heart, not your outer appearance. And so let's hear what Jesus had to say about the kingdom of God. Remember that time and time again, Jesus spoke about this. In fact, it's what he spoke about most of the time. If you read through the Gospels of Matthew and Luke specifically, you will find Jesus referring to the kingdom of God over and over and over again every time he taught. And he taught many parables about what the kingdom of God is like. And so we're going to read about another parable. You'll find it in the books of Matthew and Luke, but we're going to read it in Matthew today. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 14. I'm reading in the NIV if you want to check 
exactly which one we're looking at. And it says this, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Let's just take a break there for a second. Let's remember that who is Jesus talking to at this point in time? There is a context to the scripture. Jesus is not just randomly saying this to whoever will listen. At this point in time, he has a set of Pharisees that are trying to trip him up, check his theology, trip him up if they can. He's got his disciples who he's trying to teach, who he's trying to grow, who he's trying to impact. And he's got a lot of people who don't really know whether they follow him or not. They're skeptical, but they also want what he's got because sometimes you can get healing when you're around that guy. So there's lots of people trying to hear what he has to say, but not everyone believes in him. And so at this point in time, he's talking to all three sets of people in front of him. Let's pick it up again from verse 4. These people refused to come. Then he sent some more servants out and said, Tell those who have been invited, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. The best of the best is there. Come to the wedding banquet. You are invited. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Note this, this is an important thing. Verse 12, he asked, Why, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless, he couldn't say anything. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here's the famous statement, for many are invited, but few are chosen. You can also know this, you might know it better as, many are called, but few are chosen. And so let's just take a breath, let's take a breather there, because this is quite an intense kind of parable that Jesus is talking about, and there's some very intense imagery going all throughout this parable. Now we've got to remember who Jesus is talking to when we read through this. And I don't know about you, but the king destroying guests and burning their cities, it's, it's pretty intense. But I encourage you to look deeper than face value. Remember that we can't get hung up on the outside. We can't get hung up on, on the outside circumstances. God is by far more interested on what's going on inside, on what's happening inside the people. And this parable is how we learn how to operate in the kingdom of God. In this parable, God is talking 
about three different kinds of people. The first person is already invited to the wedding. These are all the guests. They were long ago invited by the king to the wedding feast. They were invited to come in, and when the feast is finally ready, the servants go out and they try and bring them in. These are all the invited guests. These are people who deserve to go. These are people who know the king. They know the son of the king. These are people who know the king, and they are invited. But those people, for some reason, decide that they don't want to go to this wedding. In fact, they get so wrapped up in their own stuff, in their own businesses, in their own things, that they actually reject the servants and they say, get out of here. We don't want to come to this wedding. We are busy with other things. And at very worst, they actually mistreat and murder those servants of the king. Very intense. Because of that, they never made it to the wedding at all. They never made it in. You never even hear from them again. Jesus was actually in this moment talking to the Pharisees who were speaking to him, the ones who were listening to him and trying to trip him up. They were so wrapped up in looking holy and looking religious and following the systems that were in place around them that they missed the very Messiah that their scriptures taught them to look out for. He was right there in front of them and they didn't even see it. They forgot that what they really needed was only found in God. They felt like they had all they needed. They ignored the invite to the wedding feast and they missed it. Their faith was in their own ability to please God, their own ability to be religiously righteous before God. It was rooted in themselves. The kingdom couldn't get into them because these, these men were not ready to serve anyone except themselves. They had lost the whole meaning of what the kingdom was. And Jesus was coming to say to them, you are, you are, you are rejecting the messengers of the Father. In fact, you don't just reject them, sometimes you kill them. And Jesus was even referring to himself. Because after these parables are done, the Pharisees begin plotting how they can kill Jesus and get rid of him. What Jesus is really talking to is those who find themselves in a place feeling like, like they are good enough for God. The way they live their life, they're good people. They, they go to church every Sunday. They read their Bible. They do what they need to do. They pray to God. They pray all the right prayers. They know how to look like a good Christian. But on the inside, they have no connection to God. The kingdom is not within them because it's not about looking like a good Christian. It's about knowing God. And so what does the king do next? He goes out and he invites everyone. And note that he invites the good and the bad. Come on, say the good and the bad. Maybe I should say it the other way. The good and the bad. Oh, I don't know. How do we? I don't know. I'm joking, obviously. He invites everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're good or you're bad. You're invited to this feast. You know what? There were people that I invited and I said, come to the feast, but they didn't care about me. They only cared about their own stuff. They only cared about looking like they were good people, but they actually weren't. And so now everyone is invited to 
the feast. Every person that could be found is invited and gets into the wedding. The king made a way for every person. They could not get themselves in. They could not get and invite themselves. They had to be invited by the king. It was a gift from the king. And in this moment, Jesus is contrasting the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of this world is rooted in how you can perform, how you can show up, how you can prove yourself to be the very best. And when we do that, we reject the help that God gives us. We reject the very kingdom of God that wants to come set itself in in us and change us from the inside out. You see, God's kingdom invites everybody. God's kingdom says, no matter who you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter what your past is, I invite you in to the wedding feast. And so they come. They come in. This is the kingdom of God in operation. You can imagine that the shock on these common people's faces when a servant of the king comes to them and says, you're invited to the feast. You can come. Me? I can come to the feast, but, but I'm not a noble. I'm not a perfect one. I'm not one of the ones that was invited. I was never invited to this wedding. No. The king has said, everyone is welcome. It's such a beautiful thing. God's kingdom doesn't care if you're good or bad. It doesn't care if you have an invite or if you're the right person for the job. It cares about changing you from the inside out. It cares about whether you are prepared to answer the call. When God says, come, you're invited, and you say, yes, I will come. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for God to bring change into your life. And so the king goes into the the streets He rejects those who think they can make it on their own, and he invites those who could never get an invite by themselves. But the most puzzling piece of the scripture actually comes next. It's hard to understand, but we're going to try and understand it together. There's a man who gets in, so he's not one of the original invitees. Those guys, they never make it in. This is one of the normal common people just in the streets, in the city streets. He gets an invite, and he comes. But he's not wearing the right clothes. This puzzles me. You see, the king looks at him and he asks him why he's wearing the wrong clothes. How did he get in wearing the wrong clothes? And the man can't answer the king. And so the king actually throws him out of this wedding. And the interesting part is that the king calls this man friend and then throws him out. He says, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? friend and it's not a sarcastic friend it's a real he's extending an arm of friendship to this man but the man is speechless he has nothing to say and so he gets thrown out and I want to ask the question who is this guy why was his punishment so severe why did he get thrown out just for wearing the wrong clothes See, again, this idea we can't understand by ourselves and so to understand it we actually need to know a little bit about biblical typology Throughout scripture, we find references to clothes that God dresses us in. In Revelation, you will find the saints dressed in white robes. It's a picture of their purity. It's a picture of their holiness, that they have been made clean and pure and righteous in God's eyes. 
you'll find Jesus in the parable or in the scripture we read last week, Jesus changes from his normal clothes into servant's clothes before he washes the disciples' feet. And then from there, he changes back into his, his regular clothes and he takes his place, right? These clothes are very important. And we find all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they sin and they fall and they disobey God, immediately they notice that they are not clothed. And so they try to clothe themselves with fig leaves. And then from there, God actually comes and he kills an animal and he clothes them in the skin of the animal. Now that's a picture pointing towards Jesus Christ. But what I want you to get here is that the typology of the clothes that God wraps us in is a picture of God's righteousness for us or our right standing before God. Turn to someone today in your house or wherever you're watching this and say, right standing with God, right standing with God. That's the picture of the clothes that God clothes us in. When God clothes us in righteousness and glory, we become purified in his eyes. The righteous, this righteousness that we get from him is not earned. It's not something we can buy. It's something he must give to us. It's not something we can get ourselves, but something that he must give to us. And he gives, us to, gives it to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son. And in the same way, in this parable, this man tries to come to the party dressed in his own clothes. But he needed clothes from the king. See, the reason why the king calls him friend is because he, he's not expecting this man to come up with a good answer as to why he has certain clothes on. What he's looking for this man to say is, you know, I don't have the right clothes, but you invited me here and I came anyway. So if you will give me the right clothes, I will gladly wear them. It's a simple thought, but the king was looking for the man to say, I need what you can give. I can't get it by myself. I, I can't dress the right way. I can't get righteous by myself. I can't get holy by myself. I can't break the addiction by myself. I can't change the injustice of this world by myself. I can't stop rape and murder and all the brokenness that we find everywhere. I can't do it by myself. But God, if you will give me something, if you will clothe me, if you will give me what you have, if you'll change me from the inside out, God, then maybe you can change this world. Maybe you can bring freedom. Maybe you can address injustice. Maybe you can do something in this broken human world when the kingdom of God comes inside out of us. These are the clothes that God wants to give us. And because this man did not ask God to give him what he needed, he was thrown out. And this picture is not a picture of God getting angry at us when we don't pray the right prayers. That's not what this is about. What Jesus was trying to tell the people listening to him is that there's no way to get into the kingdom of God and to have the kingdom of God in you through your own works. The Pharisees couldn't do it. The people couldn't do it. The disciples couldn't do it. 
They needed the gift from God. And it goes beyond righteousness. Maybe you need freedom from addiction. God's got a grace for that where he's going to help you through it. He's going to heal you. Maybe you've got a sickness or a disease that you're struggling with. You can't do it yourself. You can't pray the right prayer. You can't go to church enough in order to earn healing. God's got to give it to you. You can't earn abundance in your business, breakthrough in your relationships, breakthrough in your finances. You can't earn it. It's got to be a gift from heaven. And if we want our outside circumstances to change, God's got to change something inside us first because this kingdom works inside out. Jesus is trying to show us something huge here, that God is not interested in the best ways we can present ourselves to him. He's looking for heart change, a surrender to him, where we say, you know what, you come in and do what only you can do. You give me the gift that I need. You give me what I need to live. And this can only happen when we choose to let the kingdom of God change us from the inside out. See, the kingdom is within you. It's not a far off place that we're going to go to one day when we die. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Jesus said, repent, change your heart, change your mind, repent from your old ways because the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. The kingdom has drawn near. The kingdom is among you. It's in me. And when we choose to follow Jesus, put our faith in him, put our hope in him, our trust in him, the kingdom comes inside of us and it brings change to us and it brings change to the circumstances around us and that's where God can move in our life this is how the inside out kingdom operates see the change we want to see in the world starts in us it starts with change in our own hearts in our own minds when we try to build ourselves up with our own knowledge our own wisdom we just operate in the kingdoms of this world building a building on top of our own abilities, on top of our own strengths, on top of our own thoughts, our own wisdom. And that can only fall. It can only be rooted in chaos. It can only be rooted in the systems in this world. But when we choose to let God lead us and guide us and fill us and heal us and give us what he has, then we operate in his kingdom. Today, I'm looking at at all of us here and I'm asking the question, which kingdom are we operating in? Which kingdom are we building? Today, I'm talking to those of us who want to see change in the world, who actually want to see something change, something get better. We can't stand how this world looks. We can't stand the pain and the injustice and the suffering that the kings of this world are enslaving people with. We want to see change. Maybe I'm also talking to someone who's struggling on the inside and you're not so focused on other people, but you're struggling with your own life. You're struggling with addictions or you're struggling with, with brokenness or, or you need healing. Maybe you're struggling with sickness or maybe in your mind your mental health is suffering and you, you struggle with anxiety or depression or fear. It grabs a hold of you and you're asking God for change. Today I'm telling you that your freedom is not found in saying, God, take the fear away. 
Your freedom is in God, come inside of me and change me from the inside out. Put your clothes of righteousness on me. Put your clothes of joy. Put your clothes of peace. Put your clothes of abundance. Put your clothes of prosperity on me, God, and change me from the inside out. Today, you just need to simply say yes to the invite to the kingdom. Let the king clothe you. Let the king bring you in where the fattened calf is, where the abundance is, where the supply is. We're working so hard out there to try and make it work, to try and make our jobs work, our families work. We're struggling and suffering and the kingdoms of this world are pushing down on us and and we're struggling to find our way through this world. And God is calling us to a place of rest where his righteousness and his peace and his joy can come on us like a like a cloth, like a robe that just settles on us and brings us life. And I understand that this is like a foreign concept. To just say, God, touch me. To just say, God, fill me. To just say, God, give me peace. Give me joy. Give me abundance as I rest in you. It is. It's a foreign concept because it's not the way this world works. It's the way the kingdom of God works. Because the kingdom of God is upside down and it's inside out. God wants to change you from the inside. He doesn't want to just take the fear away, the anxiety away. He doesn't just want to take the the poverty away. He wants to actually change you into who he made you to be, into who he created you to be. And from that change, the circumstances on the outside will begin to change. You'll start to think differently. You'll start to speak differently. You'll start to act differently. You'll start to be who God has called you to be. And so if that's you today, I want to pray a prayer. And so all over this place, we're just going to bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're watching from home, just get alone with God right now. If you're watching from a campus, just get alone with Jesus and let him speak to you tonight, today. Father God, I pray for every person that's listening to this message. Lord Jesus, you have invited us in to your kingdom. You've said, come in. But we don't come in based on our own merit, on what we can provide, on what we can do. We come in based on what you have done, on the gift that you give us, on the righteousness, joy, and peace that you give us, God. And so today, I pray for every person struggling in themselves, in their families, in their life, I pray that you'll begin to bring peace to them. You'll begin to bring joy, to bring hope to them, to fill us, to flood us with the gift that only you can give, that we might rest in you, that we won't say, God, I'm coming to you with, with what I have, but to actually surrender what we have into your hands and say, God, what I have is not enough, but what you have is more than enough. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, go into every person, Go into every house, go into every heart, and begin to change us from the inside out. Bring freedom to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And in the same heart, we just want to give you an opportunity. If you're watching this today and you've never given your heart to God, you you haven't decided to become a Jesus follower, Now I want to give you the opportunity to do just that. And what does that mean? It means to place your faith in Jesus, to surrender your life to him and to say, you know what, God, you know what's best for me. So I'm going to follow you today. If that's you today and you've never given your heart to God and you'd love to do that, then I hope you will pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart. 
And as you do, we believe that you will be born again. Jesus will come into your heart and he will bring you from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven where there is abundance and there is freedom. Just put your trust in him today. And so if that's you, will you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. All my faults and all my failures, I place them in your hands. I pray today that you would be my Lord. You would be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I place my life in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer today, we believe that you are now a child of God. It's the best decision you could ever make. And it's the start of an adventure where God wants to take you from where you are to where he has purposed you to be. And so if you prayed that prayer, get in contact with us, chat to someone right now, ask for prayer, click the button, Chat to someone in the church, one of the pastors or one of the hosting teams so we can help you understand the decision that you've made and help you work this journey out as you go forward. We love you. Thank you so much for praying that prayer. We are excited with you. And church, we're going to take the next few minutes just to sing one more song and then we're going to close the service. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being with us. Amen.